Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now. But I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? Get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hmm? Ah! Huh. Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Karen. Just the way it should be. <laughs> and this is yep. the Walking Dead cast episode two twenty three. It's Yay. been a while since it's just been the two of us. I know, too long. Hey. Woo! Last time was pretty fun, though. Oh man, I I would People do like just about anything with Jason and Chris. I mean, podcasting wise, <laughs> <laughs> anything goes with those guys. You hear that? Hope you're listening. <laughs> They're two fabulous yeah, Canadian guys. That was really fun. Yep. And it made me feel good about the show and the season and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Um actually I it, I was thinking when before we went into it I was thinking ah the season meh kind of Yeah. But you liked it less than than I did, but yeah. Yeah, and as it turns out um after reviewing it and then talking about it with the three of you guys, I'm like, yeah, it was actually a pretty great season. So I'm excited about the new one coming up. How do you like that Jason's favorite moment was when Abraham said, I thought you were the last woman on earth, <laughs> but you're not. He's all, that was so horrible. It was my favorite. <laughs> and I think I went on a rant there about how oh, what yeah. I would do with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> I, uh, I, I clipped that out and I was going to put it at the end because sometimes I like to clip funny things out, but you just sounded so vicious that I thought... You might not appreciate it. <laughs> You're like, I, I would always... fucking kill him. <laughs> Love you, honey. Yeah. No, it was I, funny. I always enjoy sounding sounding vicious. It, it, you know, it's the juxtaposition between giggling and sounding vicious. It's nice. It's the yin and the yang of me. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a really big show for you today. We have Ooh. some news: the top five scariest thing that ever happened to us. 
Yep. And a bunch of stuff that happened to you guys, which was really fun to read, especially <laughs> since you're all okay. Um, a little bit okay. on the new show, Ride with Norman Reedus. We're mm-hmm. interviewing this woman, Liza Miller, who does this Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And we haven't seen the show yet because we're recording this beforehand, but we will have by the time we get to that section of the podcast. But she's in the pilot. So she heard about the show from us and then she went on the show. Which is so great. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to talk to her. Yeah. So I'm curious to see see that show. It's on, it's on Sunday night. And then we will talk about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which we both watched. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, some listener feedback. And that should wrap it up. But first, before any of that, you have a book recommendation. Somebody sent us a book and you got it. I did. What is it? And it's wonderful. It's called The Art of... Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse, and it's uh, subtitled A Cookbook and Culinary Survival Guide by Lauren Wilson, and it's awesome. I just got it last night, and I've been zipping through it, and it's such a fun little read because it's sort of a cookbook survival guide. You don't have to read it cover to cover. It's not a narrative story Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Is it like stuff that you would cook in the apocalypse that you Uh could find laying around kind of thing? Yes, yes, that is precisely what gross. it is gross yeah oh it's <laughs> fabulous and it, and some things you think gross but actually she makes it sound kind of good i mean that's sort of well, the point good. of the of the book yeah. it's really weird is it like shoelaces stew or something yeah, yes like a hobo <laughs> stew and um she calls the zombie apocalypse the zipok and I love it. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, why haven't we thought of that before? <laughs> so she has weird little um, grilled cheese recipes that are fabulous, like grilled cheese on the go mm-hmm. that are really funny. And she also has information in there about hunting, which was hilarious, about hunting with weapons oh, or, tra- yeah. or trapping. That makes sense. Squirrel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Roadkill is like a whole big section. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> building stoves. I think there's a thing about building hobo stoves, which is great. Foraging for plants and not dying, that kind of thing. If Jenny it, ever kicks me out, that might be useful. <laughs> you can build yourself a hobo stove <laughs> yeah. and go foraging for plants in um, uh, in the various parks. Yes, and and rodents. Nice. So there's there's a whole for this. I, when I first heard this, I thought really, but there's a whole group called Forage Forage SF Forage San Francisco, uh-huh. and they forage for different foods mostly you know herbs and and mushrooms and things like that and they'll go fishing and then they hold these giant dinners and (gasps) jenny and i've gone to several and it's like a gourmet dinner with all these different things it's really really good no shoelaces that i've noticed (laughs) it's like going to you know one of those four three four star restaurants yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's wild herbs out there that are really, really good. And um, have you ever gone mushroom hunting? I'm afraid. I mean, you need to go with people who really know what they're doing or you're going to kill yourself. I went mushroom hunting in Denmark with my Danish family and I went mushroom hunting in France. Um, and it's really cool there. You can bring them to the local pharmacies and they'll ID them for you. Okay. Cool. Which yeah. is really Don't cool. ever eat any strange mushrooms, people. Although I'm looking for this certain red one with white spots that I've heard is really good. Huh. I wonder why. <laughs> Hunting so anyway, mushrooms. Get that book by Lauren Wilson. Awesome. I highly recommend it. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. 
All right, it's time for the news. First, last week I reported that Robert Kirkman said if he were George R. R. Martin, he'd have said, fuck you, you figure it out to HBO when they <laughs> yes. asked him how to finish the series. And mm-hmm. uh, I read, you know, the, that in context and it did, did sound kind of lighthearted and actually like he was on George R. R. Martin's side. He wasn't like dissing him. But anyways, he got some flack and so he, Kirkman, so he tweeted out, disappointed is probably the wrong word. I was just joking about how I would have handled the situation. Love Game of Thrones, love George R. R. Martin. And then he tweeted, George R. R. Martin is a far better writer than I'll ever be. And I'm loving the new season of Game of Thrones. It's my favorite show on TV. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I, I, he's awesome. I love Kirkman. And I think it's great that he said Game of Thrones was his favorite show because I, I, I don't doubt that he's actually being sincere about that. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Yeah. He may be too close to The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead to really appreciate it as like his favorite show. It's his yeah. creation. So maybe it doesn't it's you know you're too close to it at that point i mean i feel that like i think game of thrones is probably a better show than walking dead um but walking dead's very close to my heart so yeah Uh, and it's a damn good show too so i don't know i wouldn't necessarily say game of thrones is my favorite but it's a freaking amazing show it's an amazing show (laughs) okay (laughs) Next, uh, Norman Reedus on why it's hard to talk about the death that happened in the season six finale from TVLine.com. He said, we're a very tight knit group down there in Georgia. We take it very personally because we're in it and living it. Every time you see us crying on camera, those are real tears. It's a whole day of living that shit. And when personal things happen to you, you don't wander around telling everybody your personal stuff. So for us, it doesn't feel like just a spoiler. It feels like a moment that really happened. And if there's a death involved, it's kind of weird to talk about it. It's like going to our friend's funeral or going possibly to your own funeral. It's not like, hey, how are you? Want a selfie? Let me tell you about this funeral I was just at. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that was interesting because I still feel like even if they actually did not film who died and they didn't know about it, I could still see it. It's so hard to understand what it's like to be out there putting, you know, becoming those characters. And it's almost, it could potentially be feel to you like you're actually living through those situations. Maybe if you're a good method actor or something. And so I've said this on the podcast before, but to be lined up by a guy with a bat with a barbed wire wrapped around it, who's about to kill you or one of your best friends and feel like that was really happening. I could see that being pretty impactful to where you would be saying in the press, Oh my God, I can't believe what happened. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and maybe they knew when they were at terminus and they were all lined up at the trough, maybe they knew ahead of time that it's going to be okay. Right. Um, but now right. that's a they good don't... point. They know it's not going to be okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. That's why that scene seemed more horrific to us because we saw people's throats getting slit. But to them, yeah, they knew that none of their throats were going to be slit. And it was just some uh, like extra who they didn't care about. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Who's actually Robin Lord Taylor from Gotham who plays the penguin. Oh, really? Yeah. He's the guy who got his throat slit. I think you told me that before. He's a really, you would love this guy. I wish would you I? could come to Walker Shocker just so you could meet him. He's just super nice. He looks you right in the eye and you know, he'll give you a hug or whatever. Aww. <laughs> so. You know what? That cast is unusually sweet too. I mean, I don't yeah. mean to blow smoke up their butts, but honestly, are, yeah. everybody we've met has been really nice. 
except for Andrew Lincoln. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like the nicest. <laughs> He's the nicest one. Okay. Uh, Mother Hubbard Photography of New Jersey used a group of little kids to recreate violent scenes from The Walking Dead. I heard. They, they, did you see the pictures? I didn't. They were all dressed up in their cosplay. Little Carol had gray hair and... <laughs> You know, Rick had his sheriff's outfit with his badge and they were walking along the train tracks and it was really cute and they're getting flack for it. And one person on Facebook wrote, you're just a terrible photographer and you have no common sense. You're having these very young children act out very adult situations. Use your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Were they were they beating somebody senseless? Were they stabbing a zombie? It says, I didn't see any of the violent photos, but it says one photo has several toddlers dressed up as the survivors while a pint-sized Negan swings a baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's kind of clever. I mean, sorry, but... Dude, I don't know. I mean, I could see you not liking that, but to me, it's like, hey, we've been playing cowboys and Indians since, you know, the 50s and pretending Mm -hmm. to shoot each other. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think so either. Maybe we're terrible humans. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we could, probably that's bad a possibility. People. Yeah, <laughs> distinct possibility. Okay, next, uh, Uprox asked Norman Reedus if he'd like to play the antihero Ghost Rider. Do you know Ghost Rider? Mm, yeah, I've heard. The, there of were Ghost a couple Rider. of bad Nicolas Cage movies, and he's a comic yeah, character. He's yeah. this flaming skull head who rides around on this motorcycle and swings yes. chains at people. Uh, he said, hell yeah, it would be a blast. Do I get the skull face that's on fire and all that stuff? Fuck yeah, I'm down. <laughs> well, he is getting his own uh, TV show. so Yeah, I think that's probably why they were asking him that because he's a motorcyclist. I, I, but probably his uh, head is not on fire. It, no, not most of the time unless the stunt goes really bad. <laughs> And then finally, just uh, wanted to mention that Comic-Con's coming up in July and they'll have their usual big Walking Dead panel with news about the next season and a trailer and all that. So we'll talk about that. Are you going to go? No, I don't. You know, I'm pretty conned out with Walker Stalker. (laughs) You're just living con to con now. Yeah. And and Comic-Con is already so, so crowded, the most crowded thing I've ever been to. You know, if you guys don't know, the whole convention center, you can barely move. And then the crowds just kind of spill out into the streets for like two or three blocks around there. So it's, uh, it, it, I mean, I would want to go again at some point. But if you really want to do the thing I like to do is camp out in this big hall so I can see all the movie casts do their interviews. I think when I went to Comic-Con, you had to wait like three or four hours in line, but now I think you have to stay overnight to get in. Oh my God. (laughs) So I don't know. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about our top scariest moments, but first we're going to talk about our first sponsor and that is Casper. (laughs) It's appropriate. I yeah, Casper the friendly mattress. <laughs> I heard about Casper on other podcasts and I was really eager to try it out cuz I the way they talked about it was so enticing and so I had to actually bargain to get set up on on this sponsorship and get to sample the product and what is it? Well, it's they call it a quote obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly <laughs> fair price. So there like a lot of our other sponsors, they do one thing. They make this mattress and they do it really well. So they just wanted to create one perfect mattress and they 
tested the hell out of different thicknesses and, and materials together and configurations to get the right feel. And what they landed on is this springy latex on top of a supportive memory foam. Ooh. And it's an award-winning sleep service. They like to say it has just the right sink and just the right bounce. And that is so true. You sit on it and it just kind of sinks in a little bit, but it's not like that memory foam where it feels like you're compacting it and then it's hard. Uh-huh. You know, it, it has some give, so it's soft but supportive. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015, and it's one of the most awarded mattresses of the de- decade, and I got one. And? I love it. Oh, <laughs> it's good, too, because, uh, well, let me tell you first, it comes in a box that's much smaller than the mattress itself, huh. which seems like magic. And you open it up and it kind of expands. And we've had it for a few weeks now. And before I tell you how it's been, I just want to say that I feel like this is our most important product that we advertise because good sleep is so important to me. Yep. And bad sleep is just unacceptable. Yep. Like when I went to India with uh, some friends, Usha and Amit and uh, Lissy, and the the beds are really hard in India because they believe that soft beds leads to bad support. Uh-huh. And so it's like cardboard. So Ooh. we would go to a hotel and I'd be like, can I go check out the bed? And I'd check it. If it was too hard, I'd be like, we need to go to another place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Yeah. So that's how um, picky I am about mattresses. And this one feels really great. In fact, the mattress that we already had was my favorite that, that I've ever had. And Jenny was like, are you sure? Wait, what? We're going to replace that. What's <laughs> we love up with that, that mattress. Yeah. What, what is this with your podcast? And <laughs> and she was skeptical, but I convinced her to try it. And now she's she's cool just keeping that one. Oh, we're we're going to get great. rid of our old one. So that shows you how much we both like it. We both sleep's important to both of us. We've had it for three weeks. We've gotten great sleep. Just getting into bed feels good. I'm like, oh, this is so cozy. Mm. And it's warm without being too hot. And <sighs> it's it's supportive and it's a little less fluffy than my uh, other mattress it's uh-huh. a little firmer but um yeah i've been loving it and i'm so glad our mattress wasn't cheap our old one it, yep it, i she won't like me saying this but I, it was around twenty five hundred dollars oh my god like i said i take sleep seriously yeah <laughs> yeah this one the casper is just as good of quality or better and it's sold directly to consumers so there's no commission driven inflated prices so they cost much less than comparable quality mattresses 500 for a twin 600 twin xl 750 for a full 850 for a queen and 950 for a king and sometimes i hesitate on getting stuff like this that's big you know getting it shipped to you when you haven't been able to try it out because i don't know if the hassle is going to be worth it right they do everything they can to make the process of trying one of these painless and easy and risk-free. So it's free shipping to U.S. and Canada. It comes in that small package like I mentioned. And best, you get 100 nights risk-free to try it out. So you can uh, see if you really like it. And if you don't, they will come and pick it up for free and refund you the whole you cost of it. Are you kidding? That's crazy great. Yeah. So you guys, even though this sounds like a whole mattress, I mean, you can try it risk-free just like wow. most of the stuff. We and do. that's a long tri- uh, trial period too. Yeah. You really, nights. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good length of time to really get if you like it or not. Right. I can't imagine you'd like on the 99th night. Nah. Nah. <laughs> but if you wanted to, you could. So you can get $50 towards any of their mattress sizes by visiting casper.com slash TWDC. 
the Walking Dead cast, TWDC, and using offer code TWDC and terms and conditions apply. And thanks. I'm glad we worked it out with Casper and I'm happy to have them as a sponsor. Thanks, Casper. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. All right, it's our Deadcast Top 5. This time it's the top five scariest <laughs> things that have ever happened to us, right? Yes. Together or separate? What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to um, us together? The scariest thing that ever happened to us together. Hard to know because you, both of us don't get scared by crowds. Like I would say it would be going to Walker Stalker Con and doing an interview in front, in front of, of a people. bunch of people. But honestly, neither of us gets stage fright. So it was probably when we met the listeners later. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no I know what it is. The first time we invited over Mr. Blog. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Eric. We love you. I wasn't scared. <laughs> if we were scared it was before we ever saw him and then right. it immediately went away and now we know how wonderful he is <laughs> <laughs> all right well there's probably others i you know i tried to think about it um but the ones i have are just the ones that came quickly to mind mostly there are times when i almost died oh interesting <laughs> so oh this is gonna be i'm i was wondering how you were gonna approach this because we didn't really talk about this too much right listeners we just said to each other how about a top five the top five scariest things that have ever happened to us uh or us or somebody i said somebody close to us um, okay cool. so um and, and it's interesting so i ruled out things that were like traumatic that happened to me in favor of things that were more spooky yeah, I was thinking about that and I went more towards when I was, you know, scared when I was. Yeah, just what, what when was I the most scared? And that's why, you know, if you ask somebody that I've asked like one time I was in a car with a bunch of people and I did I was trying to it was one of those situations where I felt like they were all a little cooler than me and I was just mm -hmm. trying to um, fit in and we were driving home from this event and. And just to get conversation going, I was like, so what's the scariest thing that ever happened to you? And it, there was a long silence. And then I was sort of like, I guess that's kind of a dark question, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so, I, you know, I think if you really start thinking about it, um, that can lead to some unpleasant memories and stuff, right? Yeah. And what, one of the items on my list is one of those. But I'm an honest person, so I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> interesting. Now I'm intrigued. This is going to be interesting. But why don't you go first? Okay. So um, I'm going to talk about a near miss. And so I don't have any direct contact with ghosts personally. I don't know. And again, this is a spooky top five for me. So um, I don't know that ghosts actually exist, but I really, really want them to because I think it makes the world a more interesting and fun place to live in. So while I haven't personally seen them i have a lot of close calls so i'm gonna go with my top my number five which is a near miss and that would be my childhood bedroom yes you heard me right so i just found out last year that my parents have been and not just my parents but also my brother have been seeing hearing feeling ghosts in my old bedroom which they turned into an office so Personally, I think this is nutty since I spent, you know, 17, 18 years in that one room and I never saw anything, quite frankly. 
I mean, it's not an old house. It, it's an, an Eichler that was built in the 1960s. So it's and it's not like it's over an old uh, Indian burial ground. So um, I am wondering if they think now everybody in the house says, oh, yeah, no, there's ghosts. And I said, what are you are? Did you did you wake the dead? I mean, everybody seems to think that um, that there is a ghost. And I said, well, you know, the most likely explanation is that there's like a slow gas leak in the house and it's making you all hallucinate. <laughs> I told it's funny, too, because we had we had lunch today, um, my parents and I and um, my stepdad said, uh, oh, I have a slow gas leak. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, it, uh, if it is really a ghost, I will be disappointed that it only started haunting us after I left the house. So that's my number Maybe five. it's future ghost Karen. Oh, very meta. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. They, they also seem to think that they see their old dead cat. Ghost cat? Yeah. They think they Aww. see ghost cat. Yeah. That's sweet. I mm-hmm. wonder if ghost cats are as aloof as regular cats. I think they're more so because you can't even touch them. At least at least you get some petting on real cats. I mean, if even one would bother to haunt you, you'd be privileged. <laughs> oh, he cares. Finally. <laughs> okay. My turn. Yes. This one is a little spooky. So I used to work in a movie theater and it was my favorite job ever. And there were 10 screens and there were five in the back and five in the front. And after I worked there for a while, I got to learn how to work the projectors. Ooh. And back then you had film and you threaded them through the projectors. Now you just turn on this digital box. You get the movie sent to you over the internets and <laughs> press a button. But anyways, people who worked there, all the teenagers that I worked with, my, my buddies, they would say that there was a ghost in the theater. And they all had stories of when they encountered the ghost or they thought it was there. And my friend... Uh, Barlin said he saw a box of junior mints shoot across the floor <laughs> when he was cleaning up theater. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so I didn't, I never, I don't believe in ghosts. And you know what though? While I was preparing for this podcast, I'm alone in this house. Uh-huh. And I've, I've told you guys before this house was built in 1941. And the woman who moved in, Constance Murray, died here about three years before we moved in. So she lived here for, you know, uh-huh. 70, 70 years or whatever. Oh, that's a long time. I know. And anyways, as I was preparing, I heard a door slam. <gasps> and I was like, is somebody here? And I was going to go investigate, but I decided to hide back here in the studio instead. Fascinating. <laughs> so if you hear me go, <laughs> then no, that's the that's end of the, the podcast. Ghost. That's the poltergeist because you're preparing a ghost podcast. I know. God, I'm feeling scared right now. Anyways, uh, so where was I? So I was in the, uh, so in the theater. Um, I never believed in it, but I even though I don't believe, I still get scared. Like right now, sitting here, and so when I was up in the projection area where there was, it was like an H. There were the five projectors up front in this long hallway, and then a short hallway connecting to the five in the back. And it was very dim in there because you didn't want the lights to come through into the theater, and. I would go up there and start threading the projectors and you would just kind of hear them worrying. And I would be like, it's fucking scary up here with all those ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was always scared. And, uh, I, you know, I'd play music and stuff to try and... Uh, but anyway, w- one time I came around the corner and my friend, well, this guy who worked there, Scott, was there and he goes, Bleh! and I go, ah! and I fell on the ground. I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like asshole. <laughs> we we both start laughing, but 
Wow. That For a guy who doesn't believe in ghosts, you really are a scary I cat. know. I know. Like those scary, uh, you know, another one that didn't make my list, but it's an honorable mention. After I saw Blair Witch. Uh-huh. You know, those movies where there's an evil presence, but you can't see it scared me the most. And then when I go home, I feel like there's an evil presence. And after I saw Blair Witch, I was riding my motorcycle up to my friend Doug's in Sebastopol. Uh And it's very foresty up where he lived out in the woods. And I I was dark and I, I wasn't sure how to get to his place. And then I turned this corner really slowly and my bike kind of tipped and it turned off. So suddenly I was in pitch black. And I was like trying to push it up. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. That's another time. That's awesome. Those are my spooky ones. That's pretty good. You know, it's mm. funny that you should mention Blair Witch because actually Blair Witch is my number one. Blair Witch is without a doubt the scariest movie I have ever seen. I saw it right when it came out. So there wasn't a huge amount of hype about it quite and yet. It was the first big found footage movie so we hadn't gotten tired of those yet uh-uh. and and i'm still actually not tired of that at all i can still right. watch it and it will still scare me i wonder if it holds up i haven't, I haven't seen it in a long time i haven't seen it since i was been too afraid to see it and part of that is because it ruined me for running in the forest near my house by myself and I used to do that. I used to go into my favorite county park and I used to go early in the morning at dawn and go running in the beautiful woods and in the, in the run through the forest, la la la. And it was really a wonderful experience. After seeing Blair Witch, the next morning I did that and I was like, oh my God. And it ruined that for me. I was so scared. I scared myself silly. I ran out of the park as fast as I could because it only occurred to me about halfway in. I'm like, oh, my God, this was probably the worst idea I've ever had. And it took me a while to get over that. But now, because my memory is pretty bad, I can go back and I can go running in the woods and I don't scare myself quite as bad. Yeah, But yeah, we should, we should watch Blair Witch again and then see if you can still do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> really? That's... Yeah. I was just kidding. No. I, I'd like to watch that again. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of up for the challenge. There was this game called PT that I played. You guys might have heard of it. It's actually not available. It was just a demo, but the game got canceled, so they took the demo. Anyway, you're just going in this hallway, and when you, it's an L shape, and when you go through the door at the end, you come back through the first door, so it's like a circle. Uh But each time you go through the hallway, it looks a little darker, and there's like things written on the wall, and there's spooky noises, and then it gets you know, scarier and scarier until it's like there's a fetus in the sink. There's like a guy hanging from the chandelier. I, I could only play it for a few minutes and it would freak me out. Wow. (laughs) And now I'm thinking, you know, I can't wait to get my PlayStation. uh, What do you call it? PS VR virtual reality headset coming out in October. I pre-ordered it, but I don't know if you've ever tried virtual reality, but when you put it on, you feel like you're in yes, the place. Yes. So I, I don't know if I can play horror games like that. I might just have a heart attack. <laughs> you know? You have or to At the you very least, what? I'd be really tense. You know and, what? You if you if you're gonna do that, you have to promise me you're gonna do it when Jenny and Nico are home. So they can go boo. Because <laughs> you're too much of a Freddy cat if they're not there. You'll totally freak I, yourself even, out. I know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I want to do it. But Jenny and I played that game for a little while and that PT, and then we were both like, well, let's turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a wimp, but if you, you guys should try that and let me know what you think. 
But it's not it's not there anymore, is it? No, but they're coming out with some scary games lately, though. What another one's called The Evil Within. That's a pretty good one. Okay, my turn. Yeah. My number four. I've been skydiving like I think four times. And uh, have you really? Wow. The scariest part of that. The first time I did it, I was in a plane, a big plane where there were like 20 of us and I was towards the back of the line. So I saw several people jump out before me and I did it tandem every time. So you have this instructor strapped to your back. Uh huh. That was pretty scary watching other people jump out. Yep. But once you jump out, or at least for me and other people I've talked to, the fear goes away. Like when you're in the air, it's just thrilling. Wow. Um, partly, I think, because you're so high up that it... It doesn't feel real. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. But the scariest thing like that I've ever done is bungee jumping because you're not that high up and it does feel real. <laughs> and <laughs> there's no one strapped to your back to nudge you out. <laughs> oh, so I did man. this bungee jumping. It was one of the ones where there was this big like tower with these uh, almost like walking the plank sticking out from it yes and i walked the plank and i was like i don't wanna i don't wanna (laughs) and you you did it anyway you conquered yeah and i actually went upside down and wrapped my feet around wrap my legs around the rope (gasps) well they had this big foam tube around the rope just near you so you don't get tangled up in it Uh so i just like i did this on purpose i went backwards upside down and then wrap my legs around the tube so i would be bunging upside down wow wow was this a burning man no 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 it was uh they had this like just bungee i don't know bungee thing up and i think it was like lodi or something wow but i remember standing there feeling like super duper scared Yes, that would be my nightmare. I am so afraid of heights. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. My father has told me many times he's offered his he standing invitation my entire life. He reminds me every, every once in a while, Karen, if you want to go uh, and, and do a, a parachute jump, I will pay for it. I will pay for it. And he's like, I'll even pay for a friend to do it. And plenty of times I've I've told guys I've been seeing, hey, you know, my, my dad has a standing invitation to yeah. pay for us to go. And a lot of them have been like, let's do it. And i am told them, nope, nope, <laughs> sorry, not going to happen. I had this friend in, in college, uh, Anna. She was my best friend. And I got her to go. We were in Boston and we took the train to Rhode Island and... Uh, she was excited. You know, we were both excited. I, that was my second time. So I, I'd done it once and we got it this time. It was in a smaller plane. So there were just like five of us in one of those little prop propeller planes and we were heading up and it was really loud. So we couldn't really talk, but I, I saw this, the beautiful view and I wanted to point her attention to like some, I think it was because Rhode Island has all this waterways. So I wanted uh-huh. to show her. So I tap her on the shoulder. I'm like, Hey, look down there. And she didn't look. And I tapped her again and she turns around and she goes, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't want to go. And then, you know, they went first and, and she was, I heard her say, no. And then the guy whispered something in her ear and then she went and then, you know, I went and when we got down, she was all smiles and she gave me a hug and, and I go, what did he say to you? And she said, oh, he said that if you don't do this, you're never going to forgive yourself. So that that's was how you get people to leave a plane. I guess so. 
Wow, that's pretty good. I was wondering, like, what could he possibly have said? <laughs> I know. Huh. That's crazy. By the way, so David, his entire life, was not afraid of heights. He went rock climbing in the park that has the delicate arch um, somewhere. I think want to say Arizona, but maybe it's New Mexico, but maybe it's Utah. Anyway, <laughs> he went we were rock climbing in the in the southwest somewhere, and he uh-huh. went on top of delicate arch. He's on top of delicate arch. And he looks down and all of a sudden he felt afraid of heights, like something in his brain switched. It was like something switched on. And from then on, he's been terrified of heights. Interesting. Yeah. And it's pissing him off because he was, I mean, he was uh, in his 30s when this happened. He never was afraid of heights. And then he, he looked down and all of a sudden he could feel it. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Weird, right? I know. I mean, I, I'm more... Well, I go through phases, but I, I never was afraid of planes. And then I went through a, a phase where it kind of freaked me out to be in a plane just a little bit. But, you know, it was a change. Yeah. I guess. But now that I've been doing so much traveling for Walker Stucker, I'm, I'm desensitized to it again. <laughs> Delicate Arch is in the Arches National Park near Moab, Utah. 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 Utah's beautiful. I would love to go someday. I, I, I was shocked at how gorgeous it is with all these mm. bluffs. And yeah, you should go to um, Zion. Oh, I'd love mm. that. I can't believe you haven't been there. I know. It's weird. <laughs> all all right. right. My Your number turn. four. Three. Four. Three. My Three. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, other people's ghosts. And by other people, I mean family members. My father claims that when he was staying in an old inn in Lexington or Concord, Massachusetts, one of those, about 10 years ago, he and my stepmom, Carol, swear they heard someone on the floor above them shuffling around all night long, moving things around, sending things down, and basically being kind of a pain in their ass. The next morning, they asked the owner, and the owner said, oh, yeah, no, no guests on that floor. You were the only guest that last night, and that's our ghost room, <laughs> which is pretty great. So my dad was excited because he's always wanted to see a ghost, so he finally heard a ghost, at least. And... um my I think cousin. it was the owner. Yeah, you think so? Just screwing around with them. <laughs> oh, we like to freak people out. Um, now, my cousins who grew up in a Shaker house in the little town of Harvard, Massachusetts, they, they lived in an old Shaker um, meeting house. And this is my cousin Ellen and my Uncle Philip. And both of these are super sober academic types, and they swear they've seen ghosts in their big uh, house. It's a giant house. It has two attics, one above the other, and two basements, one below the other. And it's super hard to heat. And one Thanksgiving when I was in college, I stayed there over Thanksgiving break, and everybody went the next day to go shopping. They went to Boston to go shopping while I stayed there alone with the ghosts to do homework. And I was also I was also sick. So it was a really long day, and I hid in one room the entire time. And then every once in a while when I couldn't stand it, I would run to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, and then run back. And I was hiding out in this one tiny little room until they would come back. And it was snowy outside, and it just really seemed perfect for a ghost attacking me. But it never happened. <laughs> so I came close. The ghosts would... How would ghosts help you with your homework? Maybe like... Uh, 75. <laughs> <laughs> the Vietnam War. <laughs> Who yeah. shot... Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. 
<laughs> that's that's the friendly, helpful academic yeah. ghost. They try to help you, but you'd be like, can you tone it down a little? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, these were ghosts. Apparently, the ghosts that they saw were all in shaker garb. Because, oh, you know, the shakers were like Quakers. Yeah. I think that this podcast is, is haunted right now. And whoever's listening, there's probably a ghost right listening. now. Listening. Next you year. guys are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> You're on number three. Why can't you remember? <laughs> God, it's number three. You Why aren't you talking always, about The Walking Dead? You always lose track. Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's very critical. My turn. Ghost. Yes. All right. My number three. I we used to drive up to uh, near Sonora. This kind of uh, foresty area in California mm-hmm. when I was a teenager and. Um, we would go up there at night and we would we knew of this place where you could get these big inner tubes and we would just take them you know it wasn't open we would just borrow them quote unquote and then we would go to the sledding (laughs) hill and sled it was super fun but one time we did that and we were coming home and it was like midnight and it was very snowy and it was windy roads with mountain on one side and cliff on the other and there were two cars filled with teenagers and i was driving one the one following the other one Uh-oh. and we were driving down this um grade and the road was twisty and i saw my friend in front of me start sliding sideways oh dear and he uh slid and i it, and i was well, i was going very slow like i don't know 15 20 miles an hour but we were heading right towards them and I could see his face the in the passenger seat looking at us like, uh-oh. And I put on the brakes and nothing happened. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and that's what I was saying. Oh. And I, and I turned the wheel and nothing happened for a while. And then right at the last minute, our car turned to be parallel with them right like a couple feet away, you oh. know? And... The front of my car was right at the edge of the cliff. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And I was like, fuck. And we were, so, you know, I guess we didn't have chains. We were just stupid, you know, teenagers. Yeah. Um, so then I drove like five miles an hour and it took us like three hours to get home. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so lucky, you know, we're so lucky that nothing happened. Didn't something similar happen to you in Greece? Oh, yeah, that was horrible, man. That was scary, too. Yeah, that was um, they had these really narrow roadways. And but this is in the middle of a village. And <laughs> I, I I had this van that we rented. Nico was in the back seat as a baby. He was like two years old, actually. And yeah, I, I went the wrong way and I was backing up and I heard one of my tires slip off that ledge. Conk. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, <laughs> like the whole van was going to. Um, maybe tip over right yeah and with my kid in the back and I roll down the window and I go help and I didn't hear anything I'm like help and then I hear like people talking in in Greek and they come and I'm like uh, uh can you get my son and they took my baby they took Nico out and took him away somewhere and I'm like uh where are you taking him but I didn't want to get out because I thought it might upset the balance you know Oh my god! And so, long story short, that people were very sweet, and they came with this uh, 
big, you know, like tow vehicle and, uh-huh. and attached a cable and pulled me up. And then, and I, I was waiting around to see like who I was going to have to pay or what paperwork was going to have to be done. And everybody just disappeared. So oh. they just helped me out and, and it was awesome. Wow. <laughs> and just so you guys know, those are the only two incidents like that. I don't do that <laughs> stuff all the time. I'm a good driver. He's a really good driver, people. <laughs> I did run into a pole one time, but other than those three. Oh, yeah, with your Prius. No, it was my uh, Passat. Passat. Oh, your Passat. Right before your Prius. I just had a bad breakup <laughs> <laughs> that day. <laughs> Ah, where were we? You're number two. Okay. So I'm going to talk about my failed attempts at ghost hunting because, yes, I have tried to ghost hunt. David and I have stayed at a lot of old historic hotels, and um, a, it's always a plus if they have ghosts. David and I always talk about it together. It's kind of a thing. Like, Does yay! David believe in ghosts? David probably doesn't believe in ghosts, but he humors me in the nicest way. So he's always like, yeah, And honey, he gets into ghost. the spirit of it, right? Oh, totally. No yeah. Pun intended. In yeah. fact, not very far from Sonora in California, there's a little town called Jackson. Have you been to Jackson? Yes. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Really cute. Gold country, old yeah. gold mining town. And it's great. And there's an old hotel right smack dab in the middle of, of town called the National Hotel. My parents. Wait, did you say smack dab? I probably did. I didn't mean to. Sorry, okay, folks. Smack wanna... dab. Bab, dab, bab, bab, bab. Uh, <laughs> in, in, uh, in the middle of town, it's an old hotel. And of course, it's any old hotel worth its salt is haunted. So a couple of years ago, um, th- we went there. And the night that we got there, we found out from the uh, woman who checked us in at the front desk that they have a ghost hunting kit that you can check out, which is really cool. So... A nice couple came with their daughter and the daughter checked out the ghost hunting kit and we were drinking a couple glasses of wine down in the lobby and the so were the parents. We were chatting with them and the little girl was like, you want to go ghost hunting with us? And we're like, yes, of course <laughs> we do. So the basement was all sort of closed up and it was dark and the owner said you should just try taking the instruments down to the basement and they had these really cool instruments that you know sensed temperature differences which were really cool it was great it was like we were little ghost hunters and there was a little journal and everything it was fabulous so we went down there and um into the basement and it was genuinely creepy with no lights on and it was cold which was weird because it was the middle of the summer and it was freezing down there like, you know, it's, it's a basement. So the little girl wanted to go farther. Uh, but who is the chicken in the crowd? That would be me. And I said, no, I'm done. I'm <laughs> I freaked myself out and ran back upstairs to the <laughs> lobby. And it was great. But the ne- it's really kind of funny, though. The next night they opened up the basement. And um, as it turns out, it was just a night that the basement happened to be closed. It's actually a really cool restaurant. And they've got great food. And so we hung out there and had a really nice night down there. And um, <laughs> that was the haunted basement that I was too afraid to check out. It turns out it's a really nice restaurant. <laughs> so well, there you go. A, just a nice bright light makes a big difference sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> that's really all That's all the difference. We are going to another historic haunted hotel in new york in about a week and a half called the sagamore hotel it's on lake george and supposedly there's a ghost that's 
that I, and I'm not making this up, that's haunts the golf course that's there and hides behind trees and throws out golf balls. But I think that just sounds like somebody playing a prank. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So there you go. Wish me luck. Awesome. I haven't done stuff like that. I want to, I, now that you're talking about it, makes me want to do it. I know, right? Try it out. Yeah. There's a lot of haunted places in San Francisco. My mom loves that kind of stuff. God, I do too. <laughs> we, we should grab your mom sometime and yeah. um, go ghost hunting. Absolutely. All right. Um, my next one, number two. So another place that we used to go a lot is a place called Rainbow Pools. It's on the way to Yosemite. Yeah. You know it? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, and it's. Isn't that pa- uh, like, uh, what's that charming ta- Groveland? Like yes. just past Groveland. I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fi- yeah. And there's a place called Buck Meadows, population 50. Anyways. Um, <laughs> So you, you, it's a series of waterfalls and you hike down and there's one waterfall that we always hike to and you climb up on the side up to the top of the waterfall and it's about 50 feet up and you jump off into the pool. And we worked our way up to that pool, but, um, we were able to do it. You know, I mean, it's, it's scary, especially the more you sit up there and think about it, the scared, you, more scared uh-huh. you are. And it looks a lot higher when you're up there than it does when you're looking up at it. Um, but you just keep your feet together for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I made that mistake before. <laughs> so one time though, we went to a different one of the pools and my friends, Dan and Rich and I decided, well, if you look straight down again, we were dumb teenagers. You look straight down, there's rocks. So we had to jump out to Uh-oh. get to the water. Uh-oh. And uh, I still miss my friend Dan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, hey Dan. we decided to run and jump all together. And I should have known better because I was scared and I wasn't feeling it. You know, I was like, no, nah, I'm not feeling it. Okay, okay. And so we all ran and they jumped out and I slipped. And... <gasps> Uh, there, the, there was a little bit of a grade by my foot before it dropped straight down. Yeah. So I slid down that. And then if I would have dropped straight down, I would have landed on a rock 40 feet below. But instead, at, at least this is how I remember it. Who knows? Because, you know, these things can get jumbled up in your memory. But I pushed out when I got to the Dang. edge of the grade. God. And then I landed on my side. <laughs> <laughs> and it went smack and that scared the fuck out of me i was i thought i was gonna die and and then i um you know i was underwater just kind of hurting for a second yeah <clears throat> and i and everybody was all worried like oh shit you know they jumped in after me and because there were a bunch of my friends down below and uh i came up and and made my way to the edge and then when we had to walk back up the path up this steep grade my back was just hurting more and more until when we finally got to the top i could barely move so i just like tumbled in the back of my friend's truck and lay there in pain it took my, me about two days before i could walk wow <laughs> you are so lucky i know i know i am wow. very lucky to, that's what i'm saying like i could have hurt myself pretty bad on that one and the one before too <laughs> I think this category should have been called times when Jason nearly died. <laughs> <laughs> I did, like I'm thinking, you know, there's plenty of times when I've been scared, like playing a game or watching a movie. But these are when I was like, oh, fuck, I might die right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> wow. It's pretty good. 
that's a, that's a strong what was that your number two yeah it's really good all right are we at number one yep okay top so, scary thing top scary thing was uh for me pretty darn quick and actually it's not a ghosty thing at all it's a time i was attacked by a dog Oh my God, that's scary. I know. And I didn't see it coming. I didn't know what was biting me because I wow. was just strolling on the sidewalk in my neighborhood. La, 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 la. I was by myself strolling on the sidewalk and somebody's dog who uh, didn't belong to them, they were dog sitting and the dog was a farm dog, got out and was protecting his territory and um, bit through my jeans and grabbed my leg and um, then just bit me. I took off i was like holy crap i took off screaming and uh my leg was bleeding my jeans were ripped and i went into the nearest i i went screaming down the street uh ran back um called the cops actually because i thought well if it bit me it could be bite a kid who's shorter than me and it get closer to the head so um and the cops wrangled the dog and uh the dog it was fine it was totally fine um dog did not have rabies it was just protecting its territory and i think they made sure the dog didn't escape why did it choose you uh, uh, because i was a human that happened to be walking past its house oh and God. nobody i know and i needed uh stitches and they were very nice to me and they paid for a new pair of jeans uh, but after that i had dreams about biting dogs like I was there biting the dog. I would actually have dreams about <laughs> like attacking a dog. Yeah, I would have Fuck dog you. revenge dreams. Yeah, isn't that weird? That's so funny. I can picture that. Yeah, yeah. I'm over it now. Like yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll see. A, I'll see a you, dog. You love street. animals. I do. Right. I do. I really do. But yeah, isn't it weird? Like I'd have these dreams where I'd be biting a dog and attacking the dog, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Do you still love dogs or do you? Oh, not like yeah. Dogs? No, love them. I'm totally over it. You're totally over it. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been bitten by a dog, but one time when I was a little kid, I kicked a football up in the air and then when it landed, a Doberman pincher bit it and it went flat. That <laughs> 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 was so sad. <laughs> it was the first time I ever kicked that. It was a brand new ball. <laughs> taught you a lesson. <laughs> Yeah, what was the lesson? Don't have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number Don't one? Don't expect anything to go good. Okay, <laughs> so this is the one that's dark and honest. And so if you don't like dark and honest, you should skip ahead. I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> but uh, when I was a little kid and I uh, was around four, three, four years old, my mom uh, married this guy, Chuck, who was uh, pretty much a monster. And he um, was a total druggie and uh, um, abusive towards her and he'd steal and I don't know where she found him, but he would cheat on her and all this. And he with me, as far as I remember, he mostly kept his distance, but there were a couple of times I'll just going to say one that I remember I was I was still scared of him just because of the energy that he put out and mm. uh I was so scared that I didn't even want to walk past his room. And so I would lay there if I had to go to the bathroom and hold it as long as I could. Oh, Stuff like that. Well, one day, the only thing I remember is that he and I were the only ones home and he came in and he was being nice, but I couldn't read him. I, it was like something weird. And the next thing I knew, he like had his hand on my mouth 
and he was behind me. And I don't even remember what he was saying. I, you know, I was only like four years old, so oh I barely remember this. God. But I just remember being there with him kind of holding, restraining me. And, he, you know, I think it was just a, a sick game to him. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going to happen. Oh. You know? And then oh. uh, nothing, like, he didn't he didn't do yeah. anything else. Yeah. Like, you know, he didn't, like, molest me or anything. Right. Um, he didn't hurt me, but it was fucking scary. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, if somebody is holding your mouth, it means they don't want you to scream from what they're going to do to you. I think he was kind of laughing about it, though. He was just fucking yeah. with you. Yeah. Oh. I mean, one time, he used to tell me to shout cuss words because he thought it was funny. Oh. Or one time he put this hot, this rock on this uh, heating vent that we had. And I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. And he told me to go pick it up. And <gasps> then I got blisters on my hand. Oh, my God. So, oh. you know, that's that's the kind of guy. It's my mom. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. Sorry, mom. <laughs> but uh, she's gotten better since then. Yes. Um, so this guy, Chuck, I mean, you know, she hates him, too. And he she finally divorced him. And um, he ended up five years later. They found him beaten and dead in a ditch. <gasps> And oh OD'd and wow. uh, I was happy. I was like, good. <laughs> that means yeah. I'm never going to have to see him again. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, that's that pretty much beats my bit by a dog story. It's yeah. <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't bite me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I got to tell you. I mean, I, I was saying to you um, not too long ago that I think you're like one of the best parents uh, of anybody um, that I've met. And it's really funny because you've seen some really examples, uh, some pretty stark examples of how not to do it. And you do it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. I, well, I didn't ever... You know, I never met my real father and my grandpa was a good role model. But for the most part, I just had these like he Chuck wasn't the only one. He was the worst. But I had other bad role models and I didn't know if I was going to be a good dad because of that. You know, I felt like I would, but I just thought, is there any chance that I picked up some of this and it'll just come out, you know? And uh, I'm really thankful that that didn't happen. You're, you're <laughs> like that boy in boyhood. Yeah, I saw. I totally identified with that kid. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Totally. Oh God, I love that movie too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I recently saw it again. And I thought, wow, it really does stand up. It's such a nice movie, and he turns out to be such a lovely kid at the end. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad it's stood up. In case yep. you guys don't know, that's Richard Linklater who filmed this movie over 12 years uh, about this boy's childhood growing up and he would go film it for a couple of weeks every year and then made a movie out of it yeah it's pretty awesome it's beautiful mm -hmm. all right so what we've learned is if you want to be scared you can stay in an old hotel with karen or go for a drive <laughs> with me you choose <laughs> you and choose. if you want to uh drive to the old hotel with jason and spend the night with me yeah you know you get two for one Right, $500. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're in California. 
<laughs> oh, we'll scare you. <laughs> it's cheap. <laughs> all right. Well, we have some great ones. I, I was, you know, usually when I go through all the feedback, I just pick a few to read because there's so much and, you know, for time. But I included just about all of them this time because you guys had great stories about <laughs> scary things that happened to you. So let's go ahead and get into those. <laughs> they were hilarious. Mm. I love them. Uh, Brian Campbell writes, scariest thing after dropping a Count Dooku, <laughs> I learned, I li- looked down into the toilet bowl and it was filled with blood. Little did I realize the effects of the color of a beet salad would have on my digestive system. There you go. Scary and gross. <laughs> with a little poop emoticon. Yeah. I thought that was a uh, soft serve ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Take a bite. Um B. Knight says, probably sleep paralysis. It's so scary not being able to move or scream or even wake yourself up. The dreams are always set up as a horror film, and I always feel a scary presence in the room with me, and my whole body vibrates. Feels like I'm being abducted. I hate it. That's P.S. a, that's oh, a real thing. Yeah, I've had that too. My, my mom has it all the time. She hates it. I haven't had it in a long time, but I definitely have had it. And it's, yeah, it's really freaky. But, you know, usually once it's all over and I wake up, then I I remember feeling super relieved and then actually kind of fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She says, P.S. Watch The Nightmare on Netflix. It talks all about it. Oh, interesting. Watch Mm -hmm. The Nightmare on Netflix. Talks about sleep paralysis. I'm gonna. Um, This comes from Sean Henninger, who writes... Woke up and thought Pennywise from IT. What's IT? It, the Stephen King. Oh, it. Yeah. Giant novel. Yeah. Yeah. Pennywise from it was standing at the end of my bed waving. I was six or seven. I slowly get up, walk to the living room, turn on all the lights and stay on the couch. My mom walked out and asked what I was doing, told her I thought there was someone in my room waving. She screamed for my dad who wasn't excited to get woken up and scared away the imaginary monster. (laughs) Wow. That's quite a scene. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's a scary, that Pennywise. They're doing another version of it, by the way. Cool. I don't know when, but... Should be cool. Laura Willie Swink says, when I was eight years old, I had a sleepover at my best friend's house. And since this was the early 80s, her single mom took off to go at about 9 p.m. <laughs> my friend went to bed, but I stayed up to watch some TV. After an hour, I turned off the TV and went into the bedroom. No sooner had I been lying in bed when I heard the sound of a very weak and hushed old man's voice coming from the living room. It was completely dark and I didn't hear anything like footsteps. Just an elderly, gruff voice was saying over and over, is anybody there? I froze in fear and prayed that whatever it was would go away, but eventually I fell asleep. We woke up in the morning and nothing had happened, but when I told my friend about what I had heard, she told me that she had a terrible nightmare that night. Huh. And then th- her grandpa made us breakfast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was standing on the doorstep all night long, freezing. <laughs> no, that is really creepy. That I wonder what is, the heck that was. That's awesome. Uh, Matt Whitehurst writes, this happened to me once. I was having a dream where I was playing a card game with some relatives and I was about to win the game when I was gasping for air. I mean, I wasn't breathing while I was sleeping and I woke up gasping for air. I was afraid to go back to bed. That's happened to me before. It's an awful feeling. So, yeah. Is it like for some reason you just stop breathing? Yep. And then you wake up because you're like, I I need to breathe. Yeah, I actually need to breathe. Yes. Yeah, it's awful. I'm almost jealous. I haven't had anything like that. No paralysis no gasping for air i haven't even had any nocturnal emissions in like 20 years 
are those scary or kind of fun? <laughs> yeah, maybe kind of TMI for sure. Okay. <laughs> Gemma Hall says, I saw a ghost when I was 14. I was in a car with my mom, aunt, two cousins, and my mis- my sister, my mister, <laughs> and we were driving across a road in Wales. It was pitch black, no lights and trees on either side. We rounded a bend and there it was. As my mother who was driving was so much in shock, we sort of went slowly past him. He was an old man with a flat miner's cap, long jacket. His head was bowed down and he had no feet. Oh, God. His legs disappeared around knee length. It's surreal to describe the sensation of seeing a ghost. The hairs on your arms stand up almost like you can sense as well as see it. When we turned around after the car had passed, he disappeared. I'm sure he was a harmless lost soul, but I screamed my head off and slept with my mother for months after. (laughs) Wow. I think what was more frightening was the confirmation that yes, ghosts do exist and I believe they're everywhere. We just can't see them all the time. Also, I've given birth three times and that's pretty scary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Wow. And she was 14. It's not like she was like a teeny, teeny little kid. She was 14. Wow. That's I hear stories like that. You know, of people who have actually seen things. Yeah. But I just have this feeling like until I see it myself, I can't make myself believe it. Oh, but don't you want to? Well, sure. But I don't want to talk myself into believing something that I don't actually believe, you know. So there's like a subtle difference. Like, yeah, sure. That'd be cool. As long as um, they didn't come and hurt us or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Brady Denzen, Dezan, writes, When I was little, I went on a business trip with my dad. He was doing 90, drafting between two big tractor-trailer trucks. It was so scary. What was even scarier was getting back to the interstate after I threw such a fit. My dad pulled off at a truck stop in Pennsylvania, and traffic was backed up like 10 minutes, barely moving traffic. The tractor-trailer that was behind us rear-ended the truck that was in front of us no one would have known we were there until they pulled the trucks apart the driver of the second truck sadly passed away scary scary stuff wow that's crazy you saved your your lives yeah their lives yeah throwing a fit man wow eric sherman i saw a guy die one time oh i did too okay let's move on no i'm just kidding (laughs) Wow. I was at a, it was not that long ago. It was about five years ago, six years ago. Uh, David and I went to the Mountain Winery. Maybe you heard about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were at that show, the Swell Season. Uh, We were at the Swell Season show um, at the Mountain Winery in Saratoga, California about six years ago. And a guy um, committed suicide right in front of everybody on stage. Jumped off the off. The lighting rig or something. Yeah. Right onto the climbed stage. Climbed up there right on the stage and nearly took out the lead singer. Jesus Christ. It was crazy. And he jumped and did like a twist in midair and hit something and spun and came down really wow. hard. At first, I thought it was a lighting fixture that fell. Right. But um, then people were like, uh, no, that's a body. Check it out. And we could all see that it was a dead person on stage. And I grabbed David's hands and I said, let's, let's go. get the heck out of here. And <laughs> yeah. it's good that we did because right after we left, they closed the road down um, to let the emergency vehicles come up because um, wow. it's way up in the hills. And I was so shaken. I said, we have to go get a drink. Mm-hmm. So we went to a bar and got a drink, and um, I remember you were awful. pretty upset. I was, that, of mm-hmm. course. What's yours? So now, I mean, will you not go back to the Mountain Winery, or have uh, you? We been went. There? We went. 
uh, last year with two of our friends who took us to a show up there, and we decided that it was going to be our the time where we got rid of that part mm-hmm. you know nice. i wish uh, yeah actually yeah. it's sort of like the symbolic burning sage we were gonna yeah, get yeah. rid of those demons and we did it was great we had a great evening because i asked you recently i'm going to see ira mm-hmm. glass there and if you wanted to go and i i, rem- I thought about that afterwards yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i only recently mm-hmm. agreed to go back there i mean and and the reason i couldn't is because we're gonna go camping but right. um yeah, it it's a it's a freaky th- that was a freaky night. I was just at my friend Eric's house and there was an old man across the street and he fell over and um his daughter or granddaughter came out to find out what was going on. So I ran into my friend's house cuz his mother was a some kind of a medical practitioner or at least I think she only worked in a pharmacy, but anyway, I thought she might know. So she went out and actually did Tried to do CPR oh. on the guy, but it didn't work. Oh, that was a bummer. But <laughs> he looked like he was pretty old. Wow. But anyway, yeah, that's tra- that's traumatic. Yeah, we're getting into some heavy stuff. We are. <laughs> well, let's see what Eric Sherman has to say. As an overweight child in middle school, I attended some local high school's rendition of West Side Story. A fam- a family friend was the theater department chair. I was seated between my mom and grandmother. And the chairs at this theater were plastic or fiberglass and rounded, perfect for reflecting sound. During a dramatic pause in the dialogue, I shifted in my uncomfortable chair and displayed for the teens around me the megaphone-like ability of this chair to amplify fart sounds. (laughs) I was not yet as comfortable in my skin as I am today and was mortified at what I'd done. Some actors fought back laughter and it seemed like everyone seated in front of us turned to search for the culprit. Rather than try to blend into the background, I shrunk into my increasingly torturous chair. I couldn't escape their stares, and then the chorus of laughter set in. Placing a supportive arm around me, even my mom couldn't prevent a giggle or two from escaping. I wanted to die. Totally the scariest thing that, scariest thing that ever happened to me, a damn fart. I now face my fears <laughs> head on. I am Chicago's most fearless crop duster. <laughs> crop duster! Yeah. I think it was brave of you to write that to us, knowing that we giggle at pretty much anything, so... Yeah, it's pretty brave. <laughs> pretty brave. We love Eric. Yeah, I can tell Eric that you seem like a pretty confident guy now. So it seems like you've turned it around. He's a crop duster, man. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Crop dusters are badasses. But if you want to get past that, you should go back to a theater and just let off a bunch of farts and not care. <laughs> Fearlessly and proudly. Yeah. <laughs> and dare anybody to, to, to laugh. smile. Anybody gonna laugh? <laughs> 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 we'll help you out you need to get friends and then have just a whole chorus <laughs> where were we okay maya suzuki says driving back on highway 17 from san jose to uc santa cruz karen this one's for you Woo! um and hydroplaning going into one of the many crazy curves wow and highway 17 super super crazy big death defying curves Everything went into slow motion. I could hear my friend saying my name, but it was like she was far away. Like when you are coming out of a dream and you hear something that wakes you up. I ended up so paralyzed with fear that I had no idea I kept my wheel turned correctly through uh, enough to complete a full 360 degree slide. Wow! I remember at one point sliding backwards and seeing the oncoming traffic that was supposed to be behind us. <laughs> and after completing a full turn, I gunned the accelerator to make sure they wouldn't crash into us. 
there was a white van that passed alongside um, and a young guy was leaning out the window giving me a thumbs up and cheering. <laughs> wow. Of all the things that have happened uh, that had to happen just right so that when we came out of it without a scratch, sometimes fear can help us appreciate all that is working right in our lives. Yeah, well said. Yeah. That's funny because it probably looked like an awesome like movie <laughs> stunt. <laughs> it probably did. Yeah. It's great. I you know that reminds me I used to rode, I rode a motorcycle for a couple of years and I had a couple of close calls and there was one time where I was riding at night and I it didn't notice until I was almost upon it that the car in front of me was just about stopped. And so I went to swerve into the other lane and there was another car right beside me. So I ended up going like in between those two cars. Oh my God. Going at like 60 miles an hour. And I, yeah, things slowed down. And I remember just, I mean, always riding that motorcycle. I was always aware of every second, like in your car, you uh -huh. can get somewhere and not remember the drive, but that never happened to me. I was pretty hyper aware of everything around me. Wow. <clears throat> anyway. Next, Jennifer Draymond Hollander says, kids, does that count? <laughs> yes, that absolutely counts. Ron Highmiller Jr. says, camping in the Adirondacks at around the age of 12, we were told of bears in the area and to be careful when we were checking in. A friend and I were sharing a tent and one night we heard something bounce off the tent a few times and something sounded like it was shuffling around outside. Next thing we know, the, uh, the side of the tent was ripped up and something was growling outside. We screamed like little girls and the rest of, was a blur, but... It, it ended up being a couple of sights away, a couple of drunk kids thinking they were funny, scaring a couple of kids. We slept in the car for the rest of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Jokesters. Yep. Megan Dively Lemon says, it would either be the time I was in a serious tour bus wreck, but personally unharmed, or when I had to have an emergency C-section and my son almost died. Oh. I'm glad he didn't. Or maybe that time I tripped going down the stairs and dropped his infant carrier, which bounced end over end down the steps oh. while I fell down the steps behind him, <laughs> desperately shrieking as the carrier slipped away from my hands. She later clarified that that was the scariest one. Yes. The handle acted as a roll bar and he was fine. <clears throat> That's a good thing. That reminds me of the time when I had my bass drum on in marching band. You know, it it's up, sits on your um, kind of chest, uh -huh. strapped to you. And I was marching and I didn't see it, but there was a pole about waist high in front of me. And I ran right into it, no! square in the nuts, and my drum <laughs> fell off and bounced away. <laughs> that was at Disneyland, by the way. We were marching at Disneyland. <laughs> Everybody in band remembers that one. Anyway, she goes on. Or was it the time that a car in front of us on an icy highway completely flipped in midair? Wow. And then we almost got hit by a utility truck when we stopped to help. There were two other crash scenes we came across involving dead or seriously maimed people, too. All this is true, and I need therapy. <laughs> wow. Glad you're okay, Megan. Yeah. Lindsay, Stay inside. Right. Lindsay Schlicht writes, we were out... Uh, in the forest and decided to play a joke on our friend and a, a few campsites over. Got lost in the forest in the middle of the night. 
in the rain on a motorcycle. It took us three plus hours to find our way back. At one point, a huge male elk ran out of the forest and next to our motorcycle for a few paces. This was right after Blair Witch Project came out. My friend <laughs> clung to me on the back of the motorcycle sobbing while I tried to be the brave one who had it all under control. Not cool. <laughs> all these are reminding me of stories. When, when I had my motorcycle, I gave, my Aunt Vicky came to visit and I gave her a ride and she was really scared. She was squeezing me tighter <laughs> than anyone ever had before. And... I leaned back to say something to her, just innocuous, like, you know, how's it going? And she didn't hear me, but she goes, are we almost there? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Jeremy Woods says, one time me and a friend were camping in the front yard. We were 12 or so. We were getting ready to actually try and sleep, but we were kids, so there was none to be had. We talked late into the night, early morning, finally getting sleepy around three-ish. We both heard a little movement under the tent, enough to wake us up, then a little more, enough for us to get out of our sleeping bags. We thought we could see something bulging the tent up, just a little, about the size of a thick snake, but shorter, kind of like the worms from Slither. Then all of a sudden it moved really fast towards me. We both ran right out of the tent and into the house screaming, not sure what could have gotten us. Lights on, my mom was now awake. We were all upstairs, my mom friended me, wondering what the hell happened. My dad came walking up the stairs, slowly giggling, holding a fishing pole with the line attached to a foxtail brush. The long con got us. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) A few of these are pranksters. That is a good one, right? That is a good one. It's a good prank. Yep. Iris Mongswigert says, when I was younger, somebody shook my bed for what felt like eternity all i could think of was the exorcist movie and another time when i was older i was working uh on a big forest fire in southern california our crew boss decided he would pull us off the mountain because the winds were getting too strong or we would have to spend the night out there in dangerous bear country when the helicopter finally came for us the pilot could barely manage to keep the skids on the ground when we all finally rushed in he decided to use the wind to his advantage and took off backwards into a major drainage all the lights and sirens inside the helicopter went out of control we weren't anticipating that takeoff so we all probably wish we were wearing diapers (laughs) god that's crazy i'm i'm feeling anxious just reading that i know i I, jenny and i took a helicopter ride in uh, hawaii over the volcano uh-huh. park uh-huh. and there's no doors and when they would bank sideways you just look down into the volcano it was pretty scary yes yes so this sounds even worse but i the shaking the bed is freaky too and it makes me wonder um what like was she a kid and she just didn't want to look and see what what was happening and some of these like seem like they might be pranks but the person never found out you know yes what it was all about Jody Porsu says, after giving birth to my first child, I was only home from the hospital for a week. I had a seizure and ended up in the hospital for a week so they could study me and make sure I wasn't going to have more seizures. I thought I was dying. Oh, my God. That's the scariest thing I've seen so far. Poor Jody. Yeah, I hope you're okay. Mm -hmm. Well, she's writing to us. She's fine. Michael Harding says, getting turned around while doing a search in a structure fire and ending up in a closet. Took me a couple of seconds, which felt like a long time to get my bearings and get myself out of the closet and out of the room and continue the search. Wow. That's crazy. Very brave, Michael. I'm getting a visual of that. Ah, shit. Ah, ah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jackie Arns Rossi said, I had my very first apartment and job and settled into bed the first night. Sounds like the beginning of a movie. Mm-hmm. About all I had set up was my computer, and this was back in dial-up days, so the computer was set up to automatically dial into my ISP, down my, download my mail, and log out. I had this set to go off at 1 a.m. I realized I'd forgotten to turn the sound off when at 1 a.m. a man shouted, You've got mail! <laughs> <laughs> in my living room. Afterwards, I peeled myself off the ceiling. <laughs> That's hilarious. I can totally imagine that. <laughs> Jana Lee Curtis writes, I was coaching a youth soccer team when just after practice, a gang shootout happened with my then four-year-old daughter on the swings just behind the idiots. Most terrifying moment of our wow. lives. Wow. wow. I've definitely heard gunshots in neighborhoods I've been in, but not that close. Uh, Jerry Gomez says, had a crappy apartment for work for six months. Woke up one morning at five or so fighting something, or at least that's what it felt like, and woke up with bruises. Oh, my God. That's creepy, that's, man. Yeah, it's creepy and vague. John mm-hmm. John Bucket writes, I almost fell off a mountain in Iceland. I slipped and slid down a sheer drop, somehow managing to stay right uh, st- stop right on the edge. Mm, wow. Sounds like my thing. Alicia Diamond in the Rough Gym says, <laughs> my husband put a real five-foot snake at the top of the basement stairs. That's not nice. Yeah. Is sure that's not your ex-husband? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Gwist writes, getting trampled by Norman Reedus fangirls at Walker Stalker. I wish I was exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, I hear. Yeah. Was this in London? Because I heard there was some trampling going on in London. Wow. Sorry about they that. know how to trample. Robin Springer says, getting lost at the Nantahala National Forest where Deliverance was filmed. <laughs> 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 Dave Pulse writes, and then the banjo music started. Yikes. Adam Lafferty says, I lived with a ghost in my home. I bought and remodeled a home about five years ago. The first major sighting was during the remodel. My dad, a non-ghost believing Baptist preacher, says, who's that? I look up and what appeared to be an old man walks by the window outside the living room where we were working. We ran out to see who it is. No one there never saw the guy again from that day on we would hear loud bangs pictures flung off the walls with without broken glass our shelved horror dvd collection pulled out in the floor our dog and daughter would follow unseen things around a room and different things moved about into inexplicable places we always attributed to the old man we had this go for years until we sold the house i'm i'm impressed that they stayed if this went on for years, I'm impressed they stayed there for years. That I, at the first sign of that happening, I would have been like, "Yeah, okay, I'm done." Yeah, let's put it up for sale. <laughs> let's put it up for sale, and maybe Get let's out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. See Any, anything says to me, you know, any voice that says disembodied voices says, "Get out." I'm like, you know what? That sounds like the best idea I've heard in a long time. Mm. These days, they're making the movies scarier, like with uh, Paranormal Activity or It Follows. They don't haunt the houses; they haunt people. Yes, that's exactly. Freaky. You cannot escape it. Can you hold? It for, yeah, you know what? Sure, yeah. Do you hear that? I did hear something, but it was so faint I couldn't tell what it was. Uh, maybe it stopped now. It's a ghost. It, it it's a ghost <laughs> police siren outside ghost on police. the street. <laughs> You're under arrest. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Thanks, you guys, for sending was- all those in. Super fun. Creepy shit. 
I feel glad, exhausted. Glad you're all okay. <laughs> well, let's take a little break then. There's more to come. Stay with us. Waves of fear attack in the night. Waves of revulsion, sickening sights. My heart's nearly bursting, my chest choking tight. Waves of fear. Waves of fear. Waves of fear squat on the floor, looking for some pill. The liquor is gone, blood drips from my nose. Okay, we're back. Hello. Binge watching is a big thing now, of course. Have you binge watched anything lately? Heck yeah. I'm I'm re-binge watching Parks and Rec. <laughs> I gotta binge watch that. It's I've only great. seen a couple episodes and I've liked it. Well, oh, I'm okay. binge watching um, Justify at my wife's recommendation. And with Tim Oliphant. It's good. It for five episodes in and it's still each episode's kind of like a one and done, but I hear it gets more serialized pretty soon. So for every episode being discreet, I really like it. But I, I, I get more into the serialized shows, you know, where yeah. the story arcs over a season. But yeah. I'm liking it a lot. He's he's really good, Tim Olfant. Anyway, the reason why I bring that up is because with our next advertiser, Texture, you can start binge reading. Texture is an app that's on your smartphone or tablet, and you can read the world's most popular magazines using this app. There's so many magazines. There's hundreds, literally hundreds of magazines. Tons of my favorites are on there. Just about anyone I can think of. And I know there's ones that you like, Karen. Which ones? I've already said mine so many times. Which ones do you like? So my very, very favorite ones that I subscribe to on Texture are Outside Magazine. It has amazing writing uh, in Outside Magazine. New Yorker, also amazing writing and that's yeah. a weekly magazine and that that's one. oh it's so good and i gotta say both those magazines they if you subscribe to them just by themselves they are not inexpensive they are yeah. they are expensive subscriptions and it's god it's such a bargain sunset magazine sports illustrated i know you're like sports illustrated really but honestly it has great writing and consumer reports i love consumer yeah you can reports. learn about what products to get, right? And what, yeah. what's not good. Yeah, reviews and things like that. I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great point, by the way. For one subscription, you get access to all of these magazines and it's nothing near what you would pay if oh you just God. got like three or four of your favorite ones. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you get hundreds. So that's, yep. that's awesome. You get quick access to all of these magazines, including back issues. And you can search them. That's a benefit yes. of having it digital and on your iPad. Mm -hmm. But one thing I really like about this, as opposed to reading things on the web, you don't lose the design and the personality of the magazines. Right. They appear just as they would if you had it in print. And there's no annoying web ads and things like that. And you can zoom in if you need to. But you get that, you know, the design is very, I mean, uh, magazines are typically really meticulously designed and it really changes the feel of it, I think. So I think that's awesome. It's really easy to check out the articles you're most interested. Not only can you search, like I said, but they also have the editorial team recommends content based on mm -hmm. subject matter. So they have a top 10 reads section, news and politics, home and gardening, stuff like that. For example, the top 10 I looked today, it has an article on Hamilton from Rolling oh, Stone. 
Oh, yeah. An interview with that main guy that put it all together. Lin-Manuel Miranda? Yeah. I want to see that. It's like $500 to get you'll a ticket. You'll never see it. You'll never see They're coming see to San it. Francisco. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you'll never see it. And there's an article in Time called New Data Suggests Staying Married is Worth the Struggle. Woo! <laughs> yeah, data. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading through that and it was pretty illuminating. Love um, you, honey. <laughs> there's also personalized collections around like more specific topics like this Right now, I see Father's Day gift guide. There's articles from different magazines on that. Muhammad Ali tribute covers. Nice. Hamilton Mania and the best breakup advice, which is funny that that one is in the same (laughs) ad as staying married. Right. (laughs) In case you decide you don't like the data. And also, you guys can start doing this binge reading right now because Texture's offering you a free trial and you just go to texture.com slash deadcast to get it. And when you do that, you get immediate entry to all these magazines, the back issues, there's bonus video content. There's no restrictions on this free trial. So you can check it out at no risk and see if you like it. And again, to do that, you go to texture.com slash deadcast. Thanks, Texture. Thanks, texture. One of my favorites. I use it often. All right, we have an extra special little interlude for you guys now. It's a segment. Karen, actually, because of the sort of time traveliness of podcasting, Karen is now on vacation in New York, and it's several days later. And I'm here with a special guest, Liza Miller of the Motorcycle and Misfits podcast, and also a guest on the pilot episode of Ride with Norman Reedus. Welcome, Liza. Hey there. <laughs> so this is kind of mind-blowing. Like you you heard about the show from our podcast. Is that right? Exactly. That's why I wanted to give you credit. I'm a regular <laughs> listener of your cast, and I heard the announcement. And uh, I just said, you know, that sounds really cool. And I contacted the uh, production company. And the next day I had an email saying, we'd love to talk to you. That's amazing. So I guess they didn't really, I mean, they had been talking about the show for a while and I think they even went out and did like a test run or something, but they didn't know, they knew they were going to have a show, but they really didn't have it planned out. It sounds like. Right. And, um, I don't know if I was one of the early ones that talked to the showrunner, but she didn't really know a lot about motorcycles. So I just said, Hey, let me, uh, you know, help you out. It wasn't as much an angle for me to be on the show as much as, um, you know, I, I have a podcast. I talk about motorcycles all the time. I know a lot about motorcycles and I've lived around the country. Maybe I can recommend some places and things and sites for you to see and do. That's so cool. And, uh, if you people, if you saw a ride with Norman Reedus, then you'll recognize Liza in the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the show or so that was Mm -hmm. the destination in Santa Cruz, and uh, I told you offline, I think you have a really awesome podcast set up and I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should see when we normally record, we have up to 16 people at a time. Oh, wow. How do you manage that? Um, I use the stink eye and pointy <laughs> fingers a lot. So you're in um, charge, huh? You're the ringleader. <laughs> I, that was pretty clear from watching the uh, episode. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we record with eight to 16 people and, um, 
Yeah, a lot of wires and mics and everything. And then we have to break it down every night because that's my garage. Right. <laughs> and put, yeah. bust it all, pack it all away. Uh, so, all right. So you called in. I mean, did you have, I, I'm curious, you know, how you ended up on the show. You, you must have had some idea when you called in that you might end, that a goal would be to end up on it. Um, certainly I pitched that because not only do I have a podcast, I run a co-op garage space. So every Sunday, uh, people come over and hang out in my garage and we, we have fun. We work on bikes, we go on rides, we go to movies together. So we have our whole community. Um, and it's something that I'm proud of that I built up by just opening my garage doors and, and offering to help people for free. So that was something that they thought was very interesting as well as the whole podcast. Um, I was actually excited to get the podcast on there, not just because it's helping to promote my podcast, but I'm sure, as you know, Jason, we're constantly having to explain to people what a podcast is. Mm -hmm. So any exposure of a podcast on, you know, major media is a win for all of us. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I wonder if people are still like, what was that? <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. have your download numbers gone up much? Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. I listened um, to your, to, so that what you guys saw was just little edited parts of a full podcast that Norman did with Liza and all, and all the other motorcycle f fanatics around there. And it's called motorcycles and misfits. And if you go to motorcycles and misfits.com, you can find it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can listen to the whole interview with Norman. And then afterwards we kind of talked about just our experience that day with him, which this guy is one of the most huggy guys I've ever met. You have to know. He was just hugging everybody. He was really so warm and open and cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they always say you don't want to, you know, meet your heroes. It's always a disappointment. Well, Norman is just really a cool guy. I'm part of it maybe because he's with a bunch of bikers and that's his world and he feels really comfortable. But it was a, a great experience. In my um, experience with him, because I've moderated a couple of panels with him, he's, uh, yeah, he was much, he, he, I thought he would be a little, um, you know, I, you probably heard me say, I think Daryl can be a little too, too cool for school. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe Norman would be like that, but he, he wasn't at all. He's just really attentive and, and, and nice. <laughs> yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised just like you. Yeah. That. So, yeah. And, and I love what they're doing with the show and giving him this opportunity to do this thing that he loves. Um, but yeah, it was funny because I had been in communication with the producers for months. This was like end of last year that they announced it. And, you know, I wasn't telling the people in my garage, you know, a few people I said, so, you know, I had this conversation, don't know what's going to happen, but We'll see. Mm -hmm. But it went on for months of just kind of communicating with them and giving them different locations to visit and then meeting with location scouts and just talking to them. And I didn't even know we were going to be on it. It wasn't until, you know, I got an email saying, hey, we're going to be coming by in two weeks. Here's the date. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? All right. What? Huh? <laughs> and um, 
some of the people that were there that day in my group didn't even know until that day. I, mm-hmm. I didn't tell Do them. Do they all know Walking Dead and Norman Reedus? Oh, yes. Yeah, everybody knows. Yes, but, you know, one of the people in our group was a 17-year-old, you know, high school student. And it's like, but we can't tell anyone that he's coming. So I'm not going to tell, <laughs> not going to tell the teenager. No way. So her dad pulled her out of school that day uh-huh. and told her to come over to the garage. And that's when she found out she was going to meet Norman. What'd she do? Oh, she just freaked out. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Beatles sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we go to these Walker soccer and he's, He's always got 10 times as many people as anybody else in his line, except for maybe Chandler Riggs. And there's women crying and it's it's pretty, pretty fun. And it was really cool to meet him because, you know, we really see Daryl. We know Daryl and Daryl doesn't seem like a guy, who, you know, I'd be good friends with. He's a guy who gets it done, but he's very closed off. He's a loner. So, yeah. So the opposite of Norman, but I also have seen things like, you know, the interviews at Comic-Con and stuff like that. And he seems to be kind of like ADD flighty. Like you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mean like doing his pranks and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Just not always kind of paying attention, (laughs) you know, and suddenly he's up and walking out in the audience because he sees like a hat he likes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, he's looking for, it seems like he's looking for ways to spice things up a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So when he came here to the garage, just sweet as can be. But the thing that I really appreciated was um, that he sat down on the ground and part of that made it into the, the show. He just sat down and started asking everyone what their story is and started asking questions. And he gave every single person time. And this was not a scripted show. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really know what was going to happen. We had, you know, a couple things set up that could potentially happen, like the ride we went on and, and the podcast. Um, but he just stopped everything and just gave everybody some of his time, which was really cool. That is, you know what? That's a really good point. Because watching this show, I was trying to decide, you know, how much do I like this show? One thing, I mean, I'm, I'm, I rode a motorcycle for two years and uh so i appreciate it on that level but i didn't really know much about building it or anything like that i just loved riding um but uh i also live in california and i went to school in santa barbara and so it was super fun to see them go up pacific coast highway and i've spent a bunch of time in santa cruz so i know all those spots um but it did feel at times like oh this is a little bit like watching somebody's vacation video And now that you say, you know what, it's not scripted and they really didn't do what they do with a lot of reality TV where they try to inject some kind of fake drama or something like that. And so I appreciate that, you know, it's just kind of a travelogue and uh, that's pretty cool. So um, I think, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I don't know. I'm curious to see how I'll react when they go somewhere I've never been before, but uh, it was really fun. And, And the part with you guys was one of my favorite parts for sure, probably because I also love podcasting. It just had all these things yeah. that I love in it. <laughs> but anyway, that's my take on the show. A lot of people have been telling me that our part of the, the show was the most like kind of genuine and sincere. And right. Yeah. It was because it wasn't scripted and because it just 
it was kind of organic and happened. Um, and seeing all you guys play off each other, you just, you're obviously friends and, and it w was so sincere, obviously. So yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And AMC gave me a few questions to put into our, our list, but otherwise I came up with all the questions and they didn't ask to review it. It wasn't that controlled. Mm -hmm. And so in the show, they didn't show it, but um, if you listen to the podcast, I actually told Norman beforehand, hey, um, I want to first interview Daryl Dixon. Okay. Because I was wondering why you introduced him as Daryl. Right. I said, <laughs> I want to first introduce, I want to interview Daryl Dixon, and then I want to get to know Norman. Okay. So that let us talk about the bikes and stuff like that. But then he kept breaking character. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes those plans don't always go <laughs> the way you want. Exactly. Um, I, one thing that they didn't play in the show, but I heard in the podcast that I never knew before is that he has like titanium in his eye because of an accident. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. With a semi, he went through a window. So crazy. And he said now when it gets super hot or super cold out, it will affect it and he'll have headaches and that he's very sensitive. And he said that's one reason why he wears sunglasses all the time, which I just thought, oh, you want to look cool. But it, once again, he exceeds my expectations. <laughs> you know, he yeah. actually has a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. And I just wanted to make sure that you got the credit for that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I actually have uh, a couple of friends who my friend Chad, who's uh he met his wife through Karen and I, and I never let him forget that. I'm like, you know, you wouldn't be married or have these kids if it wasn't for me. <laughs> but uh, I have a feeling that you guys probably would have seen one of those commercials and jumped on it. Maybe. Maybe. It was just the time was right kind yeah. of thing. I mean, that's so awesome, man. And are you still in touch with them at all? Uh, Yeah, some of the producers. Yes, I and, am. And so you have a relationship there. Do you, maybe you'll have another appearance if it keeps going or something um i i don't know you doubt it <laughs> i doubt it yeah. but, but it's nice to keep the relationship going though maybe you can help out or whatever yeah you know i became friends with some of them because just the as many interactions as we had you know with me trying to help them out yeah um i'd yeah. like to stop by your place sometime if you're open to that by the way I think uh, i'm gonna throw you on a bike though if yes it takes, it always takes me a few minutes to, because I, you know, I don't ride regularly anymore, but, uh, about a year and a half ago, my friend Rich and I rode up to Portland, Oregon oh, and, cool. uh, it was so much fun riding up highway one, you know, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something else. Oh yeah. So you said that you had a theory about Negan. I do. I mean, so we're going there. We're going to talk yeah, about let's theories yeah. of who who got whacked. <laughs> sure. I don't. Okay. I have a theory, and nobody has really talked about this. But uh, so my theory is Eugene, and this is why. Um. Remember when he gave Rick the plans of how to build the bullets? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now he doesn't have a purpose. Like right. Eugene can be killed off, and the story will continue. Mm -hmm. And that to me seemed like almost a setup in the plot. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? I, totally. I mean, I was thinking in that finale episode, they were giving Abraham and Eugene. I mean, they were, they both had 
a moment together too, I think, right? Almost like a goodbye, it seemed like, if I remember right. And so I felt like they were trying to make us think that it could be either one of them. And, um, and because of what you just said too, giving Rick the plans, but then again, if they're smart, then that could all just be misdirection. But, uh, well, but what, what other reason did they have to put that, that scene in to make us think it would be Eugene? You think, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if they, you know, are that clever with it. No, I think they, they showed, um, Abraham, um, being the bad guy, being the douche. So you want to see him get whacked. Like they were setting uh, up all yeah. these storylines that. that would yeah, have yeah. an emotional tug if it happened. Right. But I think those were the red herrings. I mean, I've been saying, I think it's either Abraham or Eugene. And, and part of the reason why Eugene is because of what you just said, but I could also see the Eugene going or, you know, Rick coming back to Eugene after all is said and done. Get, Here, take these plans back. You're going to, you know. Plus how much do you think they're, concerned about the backlash they had when they almost killed Glenn. You know, when they fake killed Glenn, mm-hmm. that was a ton of backlash. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, think they had a lot of balls to do this cliffhanger the way they did after that, after all that yeah. backlash. But, but what like, do you mean? So you think they wouldn't kill Glenn because of that? Well, there's certain characters there. I don't think they're going to kill because of that. Cause I think they mm-hmm. now realize how many people they're going to anger you know, Glenn or Carol or Daryl. I think the the most loved, you know, cast members. I don't. I think that they're afraid to do it and yeah. lose too many viewers. No, it'll be disappointing if it's Eugene or Abraham, because even though I like them both, they're not big enough. That's how I feel. Yeah. But that, that that was that to me just seemed the most obvious. Eugene. I could see I think that, all yeah. his stories are finished up now, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, he was making a big point of saying that he's gotten over his fear and everything. So, yeah, I think he could be right. So that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. All right. (laughs) Would you bet five bucks on it? Not that I want to. I'm just curious if you feel strongly enough about it that you would bet. I would bet ten bucks. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot for just letting me know about that. It was, yeah. it's pretty cool that you got to go on the show and everything. Is there anything else you want to say about just the whole experience? Um, you know, I'd say keep watching the show because it's really cool to see no- how real Norman is. And I'm glad I got to have that experience to know what a really neat person he is. And then just to know more about him and, and you know, his photography and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate it for that because you know, we we love the characters on The Walking Dead, but then to find out that, you know, the actor is even that much better is really cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Liza. And everybody go sure. check out MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. That's right. Yay. All right. We're back and it's time to talk about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I think we should do it this way. Talk just a little bit of a general non-spoilery review and then maybe get into some more details. So in case you don't know, this is a 2016 film based on a novel by Seth Graham Smith, which is, of course, adapted from Jane Austen's classic Pride and Prejudice, Mm -hmm. published in 1813. And uh, generally, you know, 
I went into it with pretty low expectations because it was received with lukewarm reviews. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. it kind of got bogged down later on and I could see definitely see it felt like, oh man, this has potential to be really great. And instead, I'm just sometimes very amused. But a lot of the time I did get kind of bored. So I liked it and I'm glad I watched it. And I would actually recommend it to people who it's very Downton Abbey-ish or, you know, yes. that whole Jane Austen about class and relationships and who's going to end up with who. So if you're not into that, I would steer clear. But if you like that kind of stuff and you like zombies, then I would recommend it. It's pretty fun. It is. It, it It's two of my favorite genres, which is I love those old Jane Austen. I love Jane Austen books. I love uh, the Jane Austen movie adaptations. Every single one of them, I, I watch them all. I don't care. And then you yeah. add something Clueless else I enjoy. Oh, yeah. Clueless is awesome. <laughs> you, uh, you add zombies to the mix and it's like, you know, two of my favorite things like a peanut butter cup. So <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter. It's great. It's it's a Zomcom period piece. So <laughs> love yeah, that. I loved it. Uh, Mark Kermode of The Guardian gave the film two out of five stars saying this is kind of a typical review. Yet torn between Austin and the undead steers the director seems unsure how to how straight to play either element blunting comedy horror and romance alike the result lacks bite the one element that zombies and Austin should have in common and I think there's truth in that you know it just felt a little blunted to me and it it was funny but it didn't really go for it as much as it could have yes and it didn't go for the horror quite as much right. as it could have so it seemed like a lightweight version of both although it definitely had its moments so that's my review i would say if you're at all curious to definitely watch it yes so let's talk a little bit more about what we liked okay can i talk about the cast we're getting into spoilers now by the way yeah. Okay, so the cast. Lily James, you mentioned that it kind of reminded you a little bit of Downton Abbey. Well, Lily she's James. She's from, yeah. <laughs> from Downton Abbey, plays Elizabeth Bennett. And I think she's a, a delightful actress. And so it was really fun to watch her. She's gorgeous, too. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Also... I thought she was the prettiest daughter. Yes, of, <laughs> of many pretty Bennett daughters, actually. Yeah. All well, the... they kept saying that, like... Her mom kept saying she was the second prettiest. Yes. And she would get this look on her face like, dude. Wait a second. I I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Smith makes an appearance uh, as Mr. Collins. He's my favorite. He's your favorite doctor? He's my favorite uh, character in this movie because when he's funny, I thought he was really funny. Like, uh, yes, he he goes to Jane's having trouble carrying her big gun and he looks like he's going to carry it for, but instead he just kind of shifts it. Yes. And then he says, gallantry isn't dead and walks away. <laughs> or he said, I'm, I'm convinced marrying you will add very greatly to my happiness, but actually I must add, I will of course require you to retire your warrior skills as part of the marital submission. We absolutely can't have swords in the home. <laughs> and he's just such a ninny, you know? But sometimes I felt like he just veered from being funny, a funny ninny to just being totally unlikable. So I wish those parts didn't happen as much. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Also two cast members from Game of Thrones, uh, Charles Dance, who was Tywin Lannister. And Mm -hmm. Lena Headey, who played Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who (laughs) is Cersei Lannister. And so it was really fun to see both of them. And uh, I, Lena Headey was great in it. She played Catherine de Bourgh, but it's like Catherine de Bourgh um, sort of turned on, you know, completely shifted upside down because 
Yeah, apparently she's one of the most incredible zombie killers in all the land. And she wears an eye patch and pantaloons. And, you know, I love that she confronts Lizzie at the end of the film about rumors of Lizzie marrying Darcy. And it turns into a fight. <laughs> I mean, like an actual fight, which is fantastic. And that Lizzie wins her respect. And um, yeah, it was just it was just fabulous. My favorite scene with her was towards the end. It's in her big estate in her hall and they're waiting for somebody. I forget who. And one of the girls, it's like awkward small talk. Yes. And she says, Lady Catherine, might I take this opportunity to compliment you on your pantaloons? <laughs> and then she goes, and your eye patch. Very fetching. Is it function or fashion? And she's like, function. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that moments like that yes. like i almost wish it would have had more of that yes yeah <laughs> exactly and i like that um they have classic moments from the book like these big iconic scenes from from pride and prejudice and they they have the scenes and they keep a lot of the original dialogue Except they intersperse like fighting in it. Like there's the the yeah. scene where the first time that Mr. Darcy proposes to Elizabeth and he, she throws things at him while telling him he's the last man she would ever agree to marry. And he says, I thought your sister did not have feelings towards Mr. Bingley. And she's throwing all kinds of shit at him. And she says, yeah. that's because she's shy. Oh, it was so good. Or I think the two sisters are in one of the room. It looked like a dungeon, but it, they were um, arguing mm -hmm. kind of academically about Mr. Darcy's pride. And yes. at the same time, they're training and fighting yes. really hard and yield never. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. In, like and that. in that world, the rich aristocracy trains in the in the uh, martial arts in Japan, but Lizzie and the Bennett girls, um, not being quite as high class, um, train in China. So that's where they yeah, get I their like that. It, yeah. Well, they say um, they said the the rich train train in Japan, but the wise train with the Chinese. Or right? Something. Yeah, know. exactly. But, yeah, I see. One of the things I really liked is that the girls are so badass, and mm -hmm. they explain that by saying they were train trained, and they have all their. You know, I love the the juxtaposition of the kind of fussy, you know, elegantly coiffed <clears throat> and attired aristocracy yes. juxtaposed with the dirty sliminess of the zombies and also just the violence of killing zombies and horror. That yes. was good. It could have been used to a little more effect, but I loved that they had their knives stuck into their garters. And, <laughs> And that they were just so badass, you know. Yes. It was really sexy and yes. fun and everything. Yeah, very. Um. Uh, also, a little, little bit. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I like that they seem to be better fighters than most people. And also <laughs> yes. that Darcy, he was such a dick and yes. disdainful of Elizabeth until he sees her in combat, and then suddenly he's in love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> love uh, a beautiful woman with mad fighting skills right and not uh the other guy matt smith he he was like always talking about how much he loves order and yes keeping things clean and <laughs> complaining about somebody mishandling his antiques and stuff like that just whatever petty thing he can think to say <laughs> i 
recommend this. I think our listeners would enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I just wanted to say what else. Um, uh, one thing we should talk about are the zombies. So the zombies are very different there. Yes. Interesting because they it takes a long time to turn. And yeah. it seems like when you've when you've been bitten, you kind of know you're a zombie, but you just you try to hide it. Yeah. And you turn bad. <laughs> right. 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 And, and you don't really get the craving for brains until you eat your first brains. Right. But. Yeah, see, that was the thing that was felt a little weird about this is the guy, uh, Wickham, I think his name uh-huh. was, <clears throat> he was Wickham. trying to convince them to live in peace with the zombies. Right. And so don't feed them any human brains because then they can at least keep their savagery at bay. Right. And I, I kind of figured he seemed a little too good to be true and uh-huh. that she would go for the other guy who was, because uh, I don't know the story, Pride and Prejudice, but she would go for the other guy that was a little gruff. Um I didn't know for sure, but I kind of thought so. But uh, I also thought that Wickham had a good point. <laughs> yes. And so then it was interesting. And I my prediction was, oh, yeah, they'll all figure out a yes. way to live together. So I'm I, on one hand, I'm glad it wasn't too predictable and that that didn't happen. But on the other hand, when they fed them the brains, uh-huh. I thought, oh, you just like created a war here. Yeah. Maybe there didn't need to be one. Right. I <laughs> thought that too. I was like, what the heck? Why is he feeding them the human brains? Yeah. But they're, they're, it's, they're eating pig brains. I think they're that's okay. a bit of a weakness in the writing. Maybe. Yeah, I think so too. Or I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway. All right. I guess that's enough. I had more to say, but that's a pretty good. <laughs> so there, actually our listeners had some uh, thoughts about it. Michael Darwin says it straddled the line in between period romance and zombie film, but in my opinion, did neither well enough to be better than mediocre. Same with the humor. It played with the silly mashup too straight to be funny, not serious enough to be horror or drama. The only one who seemed fully committed one way or another was Matt Smith. And as good as he was, it felt like he was on loan from a different film. All in all, I gave it a meh out of 10. I had more fun with freaks of nature, cooties, wormwood and scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse. Oh, you know what? I want to see scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse. We should watch that, huh? Yeah. I don't have those comments on my agenda. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just, there's only a couple more. I'll read them. Gemma Hall says, I started to watch it and I got to where I think one of the sisters was attacked on a horse, but I chickened out and turned it off. (laughs) It's madness how I get through episodes of Walking Dead, honestly. (laughs) I did like the fact the sisters were almost like slayers and kicked ass. I didn't like the fact that zombies could talk. I'll give it another shot this weekend, maybe. (laughs) Janelle Curtis says, I loved it. It had great action while still maintaining the essence of Austin's Pride and Prejudice. They pay homage to the best bits of previous iterations. I think approaching it like one would a Doctor Who episode is the best way to ensure you will enjoy it. Yep. Cannot say enough good stuff. I just loved it. I think that's a good idea. If you think of it like a a Doctor Who Mm -hmm. episode, it it would actually be a great one. Steven, except no Doctor Who. Uh, (laughs) Steven Michonne says, saw it at the theater and I really liked it. It got overshadowed by the big movies that were out at the time. And... Audrey Srod said, I am willing to hear your all's I'm willing to hear y'all's review first. Looks too cheesy. <laughs> well, if you think if you don't think we're too cheesy, then I'd right. say it's just about as cheesy as we are. You know, it's funny. Uh, not less. <laughs> Gracie Lou <laughs> talks about how she doesn't like the splat stick genre that yeah. that we like. You know, we we love Zombieland, for instance, and Shaun of the Dead. She likes her horror more serious, and she does not like the the splatstick uh, genre. So if you don't like the funny in your zombies, this might not be for you. I think she likes Shaun of the Dead. I'm not sure. We should ask her. 
<laughs> All right, that's it for Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Now it's time for listener moans, groans, and grunts. Okay, this first one comes from Jennifer, who says, I was listening to your season seven wrap-up crossover episode, specifically your discussion about the cliffhanger and how the writers should handle it when the show returns. I was thinking that the extreme violence of actually bashing in someone's head might be too much for the show and that it would be a a disappointing conclusion to the weight of finding out who was killed. So my thought is that it might be an interesting reveal if they basically re-showed much of Negan's speech and certainly the eeny, meeny, miny, mo part. Then when he started actually beating the person, the camera jumps to each of our group's reaction Then we could see each person and slowly narrow down who was killed and then maybe just see them lying face down at the end. Do you think that would be at least a semi-satisfying conclusion to this part of the story and the six-month wait? Well, Jennifer, I'm with you. I don't want to see anybody I love get bashed in. I am of the school of thought that if they had a time jump and we only find out later who it was, I'd be happy about that. I... Don't want, especially if it's who I think it is. I don't want to see that happen, but I know I'm in the minority. What do you think of her idea? I love it, uh, but I don't even need to see the person. I really don't. It, it's so process of elimination. Like, okay. Process of elimination. Just see the horror on other people's faces. That'd be enough. What if people were like, "Okay, wait, who does that leave? I can't remember." <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many of them. Yeah, there were. How many? Like, I don't know, 10 or something. Tens, you can pretty much figure it. Come on, people, you can figure it out. All right, I'll name name nine of them and then you tell me who's left. Yeah, okay, go. How many are there? One, two, Uh three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Crap, and I'm really bad with names. Rick, Glenn, Maggie, Michonne, Daryl, Carl, Abraham, Rosita, Eugene, Sasha. Do it again. Who's left? Do it again. Rick, Glenn, Maggie, Michonne, Daryl, Carl, Abraham, Rosita, Eugene, Sasha. Michonne. Nope, I said Michonne. Crap. See, they're going to have to show it. <laughs> no, you went through it fast, man, fast. And you know what? Somebody could also yell out, um, it's not going to be Carl, don't worry. But somebody could yell out, Carl. Carl, not Carl. Carl. That'd be hilarious, right? Okay, Kinda? yeah. Carl. That would be a way. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Then they wouldn't have to show it. Well, I think this is actually a great idea, not because I don't think that it would be, you know, I'm not like Karen where I'm like, no, I don't want to see that. But um, I think it would be really powerful to go around and see everybody's faces. And it might be more powerful. It'd be unique. It'd be kind of artistic. So actually, I think that would be better than if they just showed somebody getting beat up with Megan's bat. So I think that's, yeah, that's a great idea, Jennifer. Chris Bateman says, hi, guys, love the show. Think you do an awesome job. But please, please, please stop calling Morgan staff a bow staff. It isn't a bow is a longer staff in Aikido. We use a shorter staff called a Joe, such as the one Morgan uses. Sorry, it's a small point, but it drives me crazy every week you say it. Wow, Chris, I'm so sorry. We've been driving poor Chris crazy this whole time. (laughs) I will never, ever say a bow staff. I will say a Joe staff. I might accidentally, but. I'll try. I I looked it up and he's absolutely right. And also most people are calling it a bow staff online too because that's just the name that everybody knows, you know. Uh, most people don't know that distinction, but uh, 
I'll try to remember. Or maybe I'll just call it a stick. (laughs) Or (laughs) weapon, his weapon. Actually, people did call it online, uh, Chris, a Joe Joe stick. Joe stick. Maybe that's what you would call it too. I don't know. Wow, I feel really bad. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) Andrea. To feel that bad. Andrea in Colorado writes. Thank you, Chris, Karen, Jason, and Jason. Your double crossover episode. Your double crossover episode. That sounds great. Like we're spies. Might have saved me rage quitting The Walking Dead. To put this in perspective, I finished Dexter long after I should have hung in there. I might. I say might because I need to rewatch the last season. You pointed out all of the amazing parts of a mostly great, maybe 70-30 season, which on one hand makes a sucker like me hang in there. On the flip side, though, it made Glengate and Batpocalypse <laughs> all the more frustrating and gutting. I had enough brief belief that um, Glenn was down until I saw the chest guts to get really upset, like a person I knew died. And then the blue balls at the end. I don't even care right now who gets beaten. And I have given more years of my life to them than most former boyfriends. If I keep (laughs) watching season seven, better be the best freaking episode ever. Thanks for reminding me why I love this infuriating show. Both are the two I enjoy the most, and I'm voting daily. Have a lazy summer if possible. Oh, Andrea, if only, if only. I feel like we're encouraging her to stay with her abusive boyfriend. I don't know. <laughs> no, right? If you really don't like it, you should just, you know, you can come listen to us every once in a while. Yeah. And you know what? We do these weird shows during the summertime <laughs> that really don't touch on The Walking Dead she that much. She doesn't listen to those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, Aaron was the one that I left out. Aaron? He He's the one that. Oh, Aaron. Oh, you're like, who's that? I love Aaron. <laughs> don't don't let it be Aaron. Obviously. He's the best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have one call. It's Chris from Pennsylvania. Hey, this is Chris from Pennsylvania. Well, I was listening to the podcast today and um, I had a, an idea. It's something to fill in the time between now and the, and the uh, next season launch. Um, when you're a manager, you always uh, evaluate your employees on a yearly basis. I was wondering if maybe uh, to evaluate each uh, individual character in the show uh, in different categories. So, for instance, uh, uh, Rick Grimes, uh, over the course of the year, uh, did he develop any new skills? Uh, did, he, did he utilize any new weapons that he hasn't utilized in the past? Uh, relationship? How does he get along with others? Um, <laughs> That's awesome. You know, some characters obviously uh, would, would entail more uh, thought than others because uh, some characters are more integral to the show. But I just you know, Carol had a very, uh, um, had a lot of changes emotionally. So, you know, just I just thought that might be a, a, a neat exercise on how would you rate the, uh, did, did Rick, um, is Rick more, more of a leader this year than last year? So just an idea. And I love this show. I love, this, uh, I love watching or listening to it. And uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Chris. That's a great idea. Performance evaluations for our characters. We might use different criteria. Was he empathetic? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Did he do his homework before attacking the facility? Oh, yeah. Carl eat all his pee before he, I mean, not pee, peas. (laughs) 
Did Carl eat all his peas before he opened that big giant can of pudding? I'm thinking, no, he did not. So, Carl, <laughs> no, you're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Don't worry, Carl. We'll never fire you. All right. That's it. That's our show. Episode 223. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. I just want to mention that Game of Microphones has been going strong and Duncan is rocking it on there. He was a guest host and he did his still smug book talk section and he's a passionate fan with lots of knowledge. And then he put out his own, you know, bonus episode talking all about how the book influenced and relates to the story so far in season six. And he's going to be doing that book talk section going forward and i hope to have him have a bigger role on the podcast next year awesome I'll figure that out but it's been really fun uh getting back on that so if you haven't if you already have another game of thrones podcast or just haven't checked any game of thrones podcasts out yet but you're into the show i recommend we're, we're firing on all cylinders over there so i recommend you go give it a listen you can find that at game of slash itunes it's pretty great too and this is a great season yeah it's been a really good season mm-hmm. huh uh, if you want to call us here at Walking Deadcast, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at podcastica.com, where all of our other Podcastica podcasts are, or at facebook.com slash deadcast. Next episode will be in a couple of weeks or so, early July, and... We'll cover Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive. Woo! Yeah. At Karen's suggestion. What is that? Uh, It's so great. Uh, Jim Jarmusch is sort of an indie auteur filmmaker, and this is a vampire movie. Cool. And And it stars Tom Hiddleston. It does. Loki. Yes. And And uh, he's awesome awesome and he's and he's wonderful in this so it's uh, him and um and tilda swinton who's also incredible john hurt i read isn't it yep and amazon's the amazon blurb says quote driven by sensual photography trance-like music and droll humor jim jarmusch's only lovers left alive is a meditation on art science and the mysteries of everlasting love and i'm excited to get back to covering something that's a bit off the beaten path like we used to do Excellent. I'm glad you came up with that. And you guys, if you want to watch it before we talk about it, I saw that you can rent it on Amazon Video for just 99 cents. Hey, that's pretty. That's a bargain, people. Go watch it. Yeah. Thank me later. Also, I um, have this subject I've been wanting to talk about, but our podcast has been going long, so I've been putting off. But I hope we can do it next time because you inspired me when you're talking about how there's a lot of bad guy groups in this show. And so I want to address that in a few different ways. Interesting. It really made me think about different aspects of that. So, very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to what you come up with. Maybe we'll have time next time. Yeah, I like it. But for now, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit. bit. Maya Suzuki. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Maya Suzuki. You are now haunted. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Don't get bit much. I'm too afraid to use the phone. I'm too afraid to put the light on. I'm so afraid I've lost control. I'm suffocating without a word. Crazy with sweat. Spit on my jaw. What's that funny noise? What's that on the floor? Waves of fear. Pulsing with death. I curse.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.